Listening Dog Media. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. DJ. How to DJ. How to DJ with Chris Hawkins. Hello, I'm Chris Hawkins and this is How to DJ. It doesn't start when your dad let you play on his decks. It starts when somebody pays you. And then I saw the radio studio and I was like, this just makes sense because it's what I love, is, which is music and, and talking. It doesn't often have to get much more complicated than that. A podcast that explores the life stories, techniques, minds and experiences of much-loved DJs, where I asked them to pick five questions from a box of 45. And I remember obviously being really nervous and then after I'd done my first link thinking, oh, it's exactly the same as broadcasting anywhere. For this episode... A DJ with one of the greatest voices in UK radio. I don't know, all the screaming at rock concerts, it's just it had an effect. <laughs> She's one of Absolute Radio's best-loved DJs. We're just a really solid bunch that just get on genuinely well, and I really, really like being there. And she's interviewed some of the biggest names in music. He's so nice and humble, it's ridiculous. But when he uses my name, it shocks me every Every time. time. Don't ever think that everyone knows who you are. Go up to them and say, I've been doing the weekends, I've been doing some swing, I'd like to carry on doing that if, you know, if you'll have me, that kind of thing. I ended up jacking that in and said, you can shove this job up your arse in a big dramatic storm out. And that's a whole different experience because your audience are right in front of you. So I've really enjoyed the pressure um, I find that really exhilarating. So I just I just love music and I love being a DJ in every aspect of it. Fiona Graham, welcome to How to DJ. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Fiona, before heading into the box of questions, what kind of a kid was Fiona Graham? Well, I was a bit of a crazy kid, really. I had far too much energy. I think today I would have been diagnosed with ADHD. Back then they diagnosed me as hyperactive. I was really naughty. I went to lots of different schools. I was asked to leave, not officially expelled, asked to leave um, a couple of them. And one school, they made me come in early every day and run around the lacrosse pitch four times every morning before school to calm me down. (laughs) Where was this? Different schools in Bucks. Was it a music household that you lived in? Nobody can play any instruments, but my dad was really, really into music. So Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, blues, um, he had music on all the time. So he had an old-fashioned record player and he used to make these amazing mixtapes and at the weekends he would play these mixtapes blasting out throughout the house. He'd have speakers wired around everywhere and uh, we'd all just enjoy great music. How did you start your own record collection? So initially I uh, got into some 80s pop like Wham! and uh, things like that and then I will never forget this boyfriend I had up the road he introduced me to Bon Jovi and uh, the album Slippery When Wet came out. So it's 1986 and that was just like a lightning bolt, change of life moment for me. I discovered rock, so I went massively into 80s rock and then I got into 70s rock and I just overnight became a metalhead. And did you go to any rock gigs? Oh yeah, we went to loads. We saw ACDC, Whitesnake, um, you know, all the big 80s bands and artists and just loved it. We lived and breathed it. We all wore you know, rock outfits and leather jackets and we were all learning to drive then, we were all about 17 as well. 
So we would all have, you know, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses playing in the car. And we'd all go on these amazing sort of booze cruises where we'd all drive somewhere. And obviously the people who weren't driving would drink. And we'd go on these massive pub crawls because it was in Bucks. So you couldn't just walk to the pub. So it was very much we'd drive around in a sort of convoy, go to a country pub, then all jump in the car, blast some music, go to the next pub, things like that. And what do you think it was about rock music that resonated so much with you? I don't know. I just love the energy of it. It was Slippery When Wet that changed it for me. And uh, I don't know, just the loud energy, enthusiasm, the whole lifestyle change. It was just, it was just brilliant. You went to Warwick Uni. Did you do uni radio while you were there? Yes. And what did you do? Well, I didn't have any intentions of going into radio at that point and had not really listened to radio at home. So we weren't a radio family. We listened to our own music. So I wasn't one of those that grew up wanting to be a radio DJ. But when I did get to university, the radio station was doing an outside broadcast in the students' union on day one. And I wanted to be an actress originally. But when I walked into the students' union and I saw that, it was like another massive lightning bolt realisation. I thought, actually, I want to be a DJ. I want to play music. And it's got performance arts in radio. So I thought it would be a perfect combination. So I went up to them straight away and said, how can I join? We'll find out in a few moments how that panned out. We sort of know the end. Um, but, but what about the acting? Is that something you were really serious about pursuing? Yes, I was in the um, local theatre group called Young Theatre in Beaconsfield. And I went there every Sunday. It was about sort of four hours every Sunday afternoon. And we would rehearse for a period of time, then put on a show, which was on for a week. And yeah, I absolutely loved it. I lived and breathed the theatre. It was just everything I wanted to do. And I did audition for places, you know, those drama schools, Guildhall School of Music, and I did all the grades for that. And I auditioned, for, I think, for RADA. But because I wasn't at a proper drama school, I was at a school school, I, I don't know, I just couldn't get in. I failed all my auditions and it was a bit of a dead end. So that's why I didn't end up doing that. And what, by the time as well, I guess you got to uni and you, you discovered radio and everything else that goes with university life, it kind of fell away, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I initially wanted to carry on with acting at university and I went to the Drama Society auditions on that first day as well. And everybody was really up themselves and really, oh my God, I just thought, I can't relate to you lot at all. I just wanted to hide in the corner. And that's why another reason why I think radio just clicked with me. I don't know, I just preferred the people. How were your first shows? I did an audition, um, so bear in mind I had no clue about radio and I really enjoyed it and they said, you can have a show and I said, can I do a rock show? So they gave me the Thursday night rock show which was 10pm till midnight every Thursday and I brought in all my own records and I just played them and talked complete twaddle rubbish and, uh, and that was it, usually very drunk during the show. <laughs> but that carried on I guess it went down well uh, yeah yeah I carried on boozing whilst broadcasting for many years um, and uh, yeah it was just so much fun and then they said actually you know you've got a good voice why don't you present our weekday news programme called Weekday Warwick and not very much of a journalist and my uh, journalistic skills are not great but they just gave me a script so I'd just read it out and it turned out I was quite good at presenting and putting together a programme as long as I was you know told what to do and say I could just say it so then I ended up becoming a presenter on Weekday Warwick which I think was every weekday from 6.30pm till about 7pm I imagine they weren't the first to talk about your voice and say what an amazing voice you've got oh, I don't know can't remember they did say that I, you know I had presenting skills 
So they just sort of latched onto that. And I suppose I was at that time a heavy smoker as well. Um, perhaps that came through. And uh, all the screaming at rock concerts, it's just it had an effect. <laughs> The voice, I, I'm just loving hearing you tell stories and, and hearing more and more of your voice. I love it so much. When did you decide then that you wanted to pursue radio as an actual job, as a career? Oh, that day, that day in the Students' Union. I thought, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I didn't even care about the degree after that point. I just stayed at the university just because I wanted four years of fun, but I did not put any effort into my degree. I did a four-year degree and it was a BA in drama with qualified teacher status. So my mum particularly wanted me to have this, the teaching status as a backup because I was going to go into acting. She said, she said, it's not a safe thing, so you need to have a sort of proper career in the background. So I got that degree, but really university was just four years of sheer joy and fun and just having a fantastic time, knowing full well that at the end of that, I would apply and get into radio. And how did that happen? So I did the four years. Then I moved to Nottingham. A friend moved up there, so we, I just ended up sort of moving up to Nottingham. And uh, I started applying to different radio stations. I applied to Trent FM. I was so naive about radio. I applied to one called Power FM, not realising or understanding that it was a pirate radio station. So I sent them a formal letter with a demo tape and everything. And then they invited me in. I thought, fantastic. I still didn't realise it was illegal, nothing. So they offered me a show and I ended up doing weekends there, weekend breakfast. And um, I can't even remember, I think I even got paid a little bit. And um, it was a soul and R&B radio station, so I had to quickly learn about that music. So I started buying loads of magazines. There was one called The Voice, brushed up and learnt all about this whole new genre of music, which I ended up growing to absolutely love. And the playlist, it was a really organised pirate station, so you had a bunch of CDs called A and a bunch of CDs called B. And then so you would do hour one would be anything from box A and hour B anything from box B. So I was kind of choosing my own music and I learned loads about the music um, and loads about DJing really. And it was fantastic. And then those people that run the pirate station uh, got involved with Choice FM London and said, look, let's do an application for Choice FM Birmingham. There's a radio station coming up there. So I ended up helping them write all the application for that. We won the license. I ended up DJing on Choice FM Birmingham, which was finally a legal radio station. And um, do you want all the stations in between up to Virgin? Because there's quite a few. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I was on Choice FM and I did overnights, 2 till 6am, which was horrendous. Hated overnights. It's just not for me at all, overnights. So I really, really struggled with that. I ended up jacking that in and said, you can shove this job up your ass in a big dramatic storm out. <laughs> which then um, I had to go back to square one. I ended up on Radio Topshop, um, which was uh, modernised at that point called FTV, Fashion TV. So I played music videos. Do you remember who you were there with? Because a lot of good people came out of Topshop. I was kind of on my own all day. I would do a show all day from like 9am to 7pm. It's a bit different to radio now. And then, oh yeah, I entered this competition um, around that time for Capital Radio's um, looking for a co-host for Chris Tarrant. And I got into the last five for that. And then I went in for an audition and they said, basically, I came second, but I was too young, they told me at that time. And they went with somebody else. But they kept hold of my demo, sent it down to Parafem, who were connected to Capital at that point. And they said, oh, we're looking for a co-host. So then I got this phone call, got offered a job in Parafem. So I moved down to Portsmouth and ended up co-hosting the breakfast show down there. After Parafem, I thought, well, I don't want to just be a co-host. 
I was doing my own early breakfast show, but nobody really knew about that. So I sent off demo tapes and I ended up getting afternoons on the Eagle in Guildford. Then I could go and be my own presenter. I think around that time as well, I was offered co-hosting on Heart, but I turned that down and said I want to be on my own. So I went off to the Eagle and then from that I ended up on Surf in Brighton doing the breakfast show. I was the first woman to do a breakfast show as the main anchor in the UK. Then I went to the launch party of DAB Radio because I was invited to be on this station called Core. And at that launch party, I bumped into Nick Goodman, who was on Power FM with me. And Nick Goodman said, oh, I'm at Virgin now. Why don't you send a tape to my boss, Henry? I said, OK. And then I sent a demo tape to Henry and then Henry invited me in for an interview. How did that go? Yeah, it was really good. I got on really, really well with him. I really liked him. Lovely Irish guy. And we just had a chat about music and everything. And he just offered me a gig straight away. And what was your first show like? I was offered Friday and Saturday and Sunday nights um, at 10pm. And well, that week we got invited in for a party. What, I remember what the occasion was. Oh, I think it was just, <laughs> do you remember the old days, right? There was any excuse to go to the pub. And there was two new starters that week, me and a guy called Steve, who I think does production at Radio 1 now. And so they said, well, let's all go to the pub. And it was, I think, the night before my first show. And we all got absolutely plastered, free bar. Um, so my first show, I was actually really, really hungover. That's a theme. <laughs> yeah. And I remember obviously being really nervous. And then after I'd done my first link, thinking, oh, it's exactly the same as broadcasting anywhere. You're absolutely right about the pub culture. I think that has been a big change in radio. I, it was a thing, wasn't it? It was a part of what you did. It was such a thing. And I don't know who had hold of the company credit card, but it just seemed like any opportunity, the card's behind the bar. Let's just all go next door to the pub. And it was just a really huge thing of it. And I was still a big drinker in those days and, and slotted in very well. I've always been BBC, so there was never a card behind the bar, but there was a lot of pub culture. Who else was on Virgin at this time? Uh, Chris Evans was on breakfast. Um, Russ Williams was on mid-mornings. Um, Gary Davis. I remember being shown round the Virgin Studios by a friend called Phil Kennedy. But I remember walking in with Phil to, to have a look round and uh, Russ was on air and uh, smoking a cigar whilst uh, doing his show. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is, this is the big time. Yeah, I smoked then as well, and it was perfectly normal to smoke in the studio. I like to add, I don't smoke or drink anymore. You still got the voice. <laughs> Virgin sort of turned into Absolute, didn't it? Yeah, so it was a crazy time when it was Virgin because there was lots changing because Chris Evans was the breakfast DJ, and then we kept changing management and owners, and DJs were being fired left, right and centre constantly um, before Absolute took over. Paul Jackson came along and just started firing everybody. and. I thought I was going to be fired as well because we all did. We all thought we were going to be fired. I was weekends and swing, but I ended up doing seven days a week most of the time because he'd, be, he'd phone me up and say, oh, I've just found so-and-so off drive. Can you do their show till I find someone else? So I ended up just being on air all the time. Um, so it was a really weird time. And uh, for a period of time, I was the only woman for ages. I'm thinking back to those times and only remembering you as a female voice on Virgin. What was Chris Evans like to be around? He was a bit sort of crazy and he was very much a pub person as well. So he would be in the pub a lot. I only sort of met him socially in the pub a couple of times and then he got the boot, so that was the end of that. When uh, Virgin turned into Absolute, yeah. uh, that was 2008, I think I'm right in saying? Yes, it was 2008. You were a focal part of that launch and have been there ever since. 
is it an amazing place to work? Oh, yeah. And it just got better and better. And I think now, I think it's the best it's ever been. I really like all the other DJs. Uh, we all get on really well. Dave Berry is just the nicest guy ever. And we just have a really good laugh. We're just a really solid bunch that just get on genuinely well. And I really, really like being there. Your audience numbers are amazing, Leona. Like, ridiculous. Thank you. Testament to you. And I think what's come through from all that you've said is, is the graft. I mean, yeah, exactly. You have to, you know, when your boss does phone you up and say, can you step in? You obviously just say yes, don't you? And when the management does keep changing all the time, you have to keep your head down, keep your opinions to yourself and introduce yourself to new management and say, hi, I'm Leona. I remember when um, that happened a couple of times, I went and introduced myself. I didn't just presume that they would know who I was. So I, I don't know what kind of audience this podcast has, but I presume maybe some up and coming DJs don't ever think that everyone knows who you are. You know, I would go up and say, I'm Leona. Um, I've been doing the weekends. I've been doing some swing. I'd like to carry on doing that if, you know, if you'll have me, that kind of thing. So I think that helped. And yeah, um, just taking any show. And then when shows have not been so good, at one point I was put on weekend overnights. you just got to get on with it, haven't you? You've interviewed some huge star names. Who've been your favourites? Yeah, I've done some good good rock legends. Uh, Brian Johnson of ACDC, Brian May of Queen. I've interviewed quite a few times now. And I like it when I get to do somebody a few times because then they remember you. And I'm at that stage with Brian May now, and it's really, really nice. So he will say, hi, Leona, and give me a hug. And it just makes it so relaxed. And he is probably the nicest man in rock. He's extremely intelligent as well, and also incredibly nice. So I really like chatting to him. That comes through in your own podcast, Rock and Road, where you're with Brian at the Proud Gallery. And there's a lovely repartee between the two of you. And, and you, I think it's one of those moments, I don't know if you still feel like this because you've said you've got to know him well, but where you think, hang on, I'm just stood here chatting with Brian May. There's one point in the conversation where he tells you that you've explained something far better than he could have done. <laughs> He's so nice and humble. It's ridiculous. But when he uses my name, it shocks me every time. I walk in and go, hi, Leon. I think, how does he remember my name? It makes me really excited. And I love that from him. You know, I can't believe that we've got this far into this conversation and you haven't mentioned motorbikes or cars once. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to stick to the theme here. It's a DJ podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you love motorsport, don't you? Yeah, so um, I've got really into motorbikes and ended up doing some work with Honda, Honda Motorcycles, and now I present at their events like Motorcycle Live and things like that. And the last few events, I've ended up chatting to women because they're trying to encourage women into biking because 95% of bikers in the country are men. So there's a massive untapped market there and they're using me to sort of interview people and say, well, why aren't you into bikes and what can we do to encourage you? So it's been really interesting. Why do you think it is that women aren't into bikes much as men? A lot of it is confidence. I mean, I interviewed a load of women at Motorcycle Live the other day. Um, it's when you do the training, it is very male dominated. And so I think the clear message is to get more female instructors and, and more female role models into biking. So it's still quite behind, you know, in catching up in that respect. Because there was loads of bikers there, um, couples, and it would always be the guy that was there and his girlfriend or wife just tagging along. I said, well, why aren't you riding? She's like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm a bit frightened or something like that. And when we got chatting to them or put them on a bike in a little sort of trial room that we had, they loved it. 
So it's just about a bit of encouragement, you know? Cars as well, isn't it? Yeah, I do cars as well. Um, and so sometimes I get sent press cars and it's just great fun to just drive around in it for a week. Um, <laughs> me and the family all sort of record and comment on what we think of it. So it's looking at it from a real life perspective. Is this car practical? Not just try driving sports cars. I did a, a Toyota Hilux the other week. So we do trucks and everything, anything that moves. So I'll do a quick review on it and then just do a podcast. You know, it's quite simple. Brilliant. And the podcast is called Rock and Road and it's a, a great listen. Leona, I, I think before heading into the box of questions, I, I want to ask you about the Brighton Rock House. So it's kind of your like B&B, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm into DIY and I've, over the years I've always done, when I'm not on the air, I'm always doing something practical at home. Um, so renovating or doing up a place and then selling it, that kind of thing. Um, eventually we did one in Brighton and uh, we've kept it as an Airbnb so we can use it ourselves, but other people can rent it. And it's obviously got a rock theme. It's called Brighton Rock House and there's lots of rock pictures up. And uh, yeah, it's just great fun. It's going really well. So time now to dip into the box of questions here and time for the first of your five picks from this record box. All the questions are on 45 Steve's and you just say when and I'll pull one out. Okay. Let's have a look. I feel the need to talk in the gap because I'm just DJ. Chris <laughs> is just rummaging through the box now. Okay, he's pulled out a sleeve. And this one is your first question. What do you love about being a DJ? Oh... Everything. I like playing music for people. I've always been that kind of person um, to want to make people listen to music. Um, I like talking on the radio. What's the question? What do I love about being a DJ or radio DJ? About being a DJ, because actually that's interesting because you are playing out, aren't you now? Yeah, I've started playing gigs now as well. And that's a whole different experience and actually more scary than radio because your audience are right in front of you and you haven't got head of music telling you what to play. You've got to come up with your own playlist. So I've really enjoyed the pressure. I find that really exhilarating. So I just love music and I love being a DJ in every aspect of it. Tell me when to pick up this next question. I'll dip in. You say when. When? Oh, this should be good. Who's the greatest pop or rock star ever? Uh, greatest rock or pop star ever. In my view, I'm going with rock and uh, Ozzy Osbourne. I just think he's brilliant. I've always really been into Black Sabbath and I love their early albums with him. And then I started watching that programme with him and Sharon Osbourne, was it 20 years ago when their kids were young? I just loved that as well. They're Brummies, which I am. I was born in Birmingham. And uh, I just think they're really down to earth. I love Sharon Osbourne. love them both. So, Ozzy. You must have interviewed him. No. And he walked past me at Absolute Radio a few years ago in the corridor, really narrow corridor. We got between the studio and what we call the zoo. And uh, I was just so starstruck. I didn't say or do anything. <laughs> and I really regret it. I'd love, love, love to meet him. I can't imagine that's happened very often. No, it doesn't really. I take it in my stride a little bit, I suppose. Um, but, I mean, I was obviously nervous when I met Brian Johnson, but uh, Ozzy Osbourne totally, um, I just wasn't expecting him to be there. I didn't even know he was in the building. How was Brian Johnson for you? Uh, he was just brilliant. Um He'd just written a book at that time about cars, so we ended up talking about cars quite a lot. But I just kept thinking, Daisy oh, DC, <laughs> you know, so there, there is that sort of excitement. Um, even when I did uh, Genesis, I think it was last year, before they did their live shows, and uh, I was really nervous for that as well, really, really nervous. How to DJ with Chris Hawkins. 
still to come. There's so much I can't remember. Loads and loads and loads of uh, my life is missing. People now uh, will say, oh, do you remember this? No. Do you remember this person? No. There's so much other good music and for some reason it jars with me and I can tell immediately they have the same sound and I just, I just don't like it. Back into the box, Diona, for your next question. Question three, say when. When? What do you wish you'd never done? Probably uh, drink so much in my early years because there's so much I can't remember. Um, loads and loads and loads of uh, my life is missing. People now uh, will say, oh, do you remember this? No. Do you remember this person? No. Um, I'll meet people and they say, hi, Leona, do you remember me? And initially I used to be honest and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't. I've now started sort of saying yes and then trying to get some clues as the conversation's gone on because you can see the disappointment in their face when I have no clue. So it's embarrassing and so I wish I'd just toned it down a bit and then I could probably still drink a little bit now but it's at the point where I, I can't touch a drop. It just makes me feel really ill. Someone gave me a good tip once. Um, never say nice to meet you, always say nice to see you. I'm going to latch onto that straight away. Back into the box for question four, Leona. Question four. All right, here we go. Uh, now. Uh, I think this is going to be pretty obvious, but we'll give it a go. Outside of DJing, what do you love doing most? Yes, I've obviously mentioned going out on motorbikes, doing DIY. Um, I've got children. I suppose I should mention them. <laughs> um, so hanging out with the kids, um, I, you know, on Saturdays, me and my son Dexter do karate now. Um, and I take them to football, rugby. And like last weekend, we were ice skating in Brighton. So I have a really, really active life with the kids. Um, I've got two boys and then I've got two older stepdaughters who I've raised as well. So I've had a pretty full on family life. Do they listen to you on the radio? The girls don't. They're more um, into sort of maybe Kiss, that kind of music. But they do hear me on the radio because I have it on Alexa in the house. And because you're on all the time. Yeah, there's no escape. Um, but Dexter, yes, listens to me um, all the time because we have absolute radio on in the car. So he's still being ferried around to school, being the youngest. So he'll listen to Dave Berry in the morning. He'll probably miss my show because he's at school. But yeah, they, they hear me loads. It's on most of the time. What a cool mum. Your final question from the box, the owner. Okay. Now. How do you prepare sets and shows? Sets playing out is loads and loads of research. So I will go to the venue beforehand, have a look at what kind of audience they are, get their age group, type of music that they're into. And then very much like when I joined Choice FM and Power FM, the pirate station, I will do loads of research on that music and make sure I know what I'm doing. Um, for my radio shows, now obviously it's handed to you a lot of it. You're given a prep sheet with things that you must talk about. You're given live reads, which you have to read out. The music is largely playlisted. So in terms of preparation, it might be drawing on something that's happened in my own life to add a bit of personality to the show. So I'll have a think about what I've done and see if I can relate it to the audience. Are there any songs that you refuse to play? Boy bands and girl bands, manufactured pop. I can't stand it. I absolutely loathe it. If I had to do a gig where I had to play that, I don't think I'd take the gig. Um, even when I did the school Christmas fair, I didn't play any of that stuff because um, there's so much other good music and for some reason it jars with me and I can tell immediately if that particular boy band member has gone off and done a solo song. I can hear the song for the first time and go, oh, that's somebody from a boy band, isn't it? They have the same sound and I just, I just don't like it. So that's what it is for me. Good on you, Leona. Thank you so much. I've just got one last question for you now. There's some kind of non-specific 
catastrophic event with a caveat that you, Leona Graham, have to play the last three records on earth. What would those records be? <sighs> okay, um, I'm going rock. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to go with ACDC, Thunderstruck. Just think that's a great rocking tune and probably the most requested ACDC song I get. So I think everybody will love that. I will go with Muse, Knights of Sidonia. I don't know if you've ever seen them live, but they always end their shows with that song, which absolutely rocks. I do a live version of that, goes on for ages. So you get, you know, a good 10 to 15 minutes out of one song. And then I would end with something that was uh, written, I think, when Ozzy Osbourne was on drugs. Fairies Wear Boots by Black Sabbath. Uh, it's just a completely mental song, which doesn't make any sense at all. And I just think it would be a great way to go out. I think I'm right in saying that no one else on the podcast, when I've asked them that question, has actually come up with three really long songs to eke out the time. Yeah, man, you got to. <laughs> Leona, it's been a massive pleasure. I'm a huge fan and I'm so grateful to you for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. And that was How to DJ. How to DJ. How to DJ. Thanks for listening. Please remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts from.